0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Barat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu.
1: Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. Hey, it's Friday, July 29th. Monkey Pox in San Diego... More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Pharmacists at Ralph's, Vaughn's, Albertson's, and Pavilion stores in Southern California have voted to authorize a strike. This comes after their union, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, turned down the latest contract offer from the stores. The UFCW said the contract did not meet the needs of most of their members. No dates have been set for a strike and negotiations with the stores are ongoing. Health officials say Novavax will be available in San Diego County as soon as this weekend. Novavax is considered a more traditional vaccine and is similar to what has been used for hepatitis B, shingles and HPV. The two-dose vaccine presents a special portion of the virus, and the body generates immunity against it. Clinical trials have shown the vaccine is 90% effective at preventing mild, moderate, and severe COVID-19. It's only available for people 18 years or older. Narcan will be available at vending machines throughout the county by the end of the year. Narcan, or naloxone, is a medication used to reverse opioid overdoses by restoring normal breathing. Six of the 12 vending machines will be installed by the end of the year. In 2021, nearly 900 people died from accidental opioid overdoses in the county, according to preliminary data. That's up 55% from 2020. The vending machines will be available to anyone in the community 18 years or older who completes a training online. Registration and use will be anonymous and free. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu/slash OLLI.
1: The Biden administration is planning to follow the lead of the World Health Organization in declaring the spread of monkeypox a health emergency. But people in San Diego who do not already have an appointment for a vaccination against the disease may have to wait several months for another chance. Appointments for all 800 doses being administered this week in county clinics were snapped up by Monday. The vaccine used to both protect against monkeypox and ease its symptoms is in short supply across the nation. San Diego County Deputy Public Health Officer Dr. Cameron Kaiser joined KPBS's Maureen Cabanal to discuss the shortage.
2: Why is there such a shortage of this vaccine? It's not that the vaccine is particularly difficult to manufacture,
3: it's just that it's not typically made in the quantities that we're requiring, and on top of that, that the vaccine is only made by one company to begin with. Although there is an older vaccine available, it's a little bit rougher on people, and we prefer to stick with this one if we can.
2: Is this the same vaccine that's used to prevent smallpox? There are two different forms. This one can
3: be used for that as well. The older smallpox vaccine that some people may be familiar with, the one where it actually caused a lesion on your arm. That can be used as well. But as I say, that one sometimes has a risk of being a little bit more difficult for people to handle, whereas this modern vaccine is much more straightforward to administer.
2: Would declaring monkeypox a national health emergency speed up production of the vaccine?
3: Potentially, it could. This is, you know, a, a certainly a question we want to run by our federal partners. But I think that the best upshot of this is it calls attention to it and the communities where it's most affecting, it and hopefully gets people to think about it in ways that can better protect themselves.
2: You referenced the older smallpox vaccine, and and if someone is of the generation who received a smallpox vaccine as a child or a traveler years ago, does it provide any protection against monkeypox?
3: Monkeypox is caused by a virus which is a less serious relative of the extinct smallpox virus. There's a theory that since we're dealing with a population where smallpox vaccination is now unusual, this has made it more easy for monkeypox to spread. There could be something to that, and someone who received their smallpox vaccination years ago, um, I received one as a child myself because I'm an Air Force brat and we were overseas, they may have some residual level of protection. However, it's important to note that vaccination is decades in the past. It can wane like any other form of immunity. In the 2003 monkeypox outbreak in the United States, because we've, we've had outbreaks before, several people who came down with monkeypox during that time period had themselves been vaccinated decades prior because it's entirely possible that their level of immunity waned or was affected by other health concerns they had, and also because the monkeypox virus is exactly like the smallpox virus. Even if you were one of the people like me who received it, if your smallpox vaccine was more than three years ago and you're one of our at-risk groups, then you should consider getting vaccinated.
2: The county is taking into consideration risk factors, as you said, as it prioritizes the use of the limited amount of the vaccine. What are the risk factors? Although anybody can get it, we're most concerned about people who have been in contact with
3: cases of monkeypox, including those events where cases have been reported. And disproportionately, we've been seeing cases in gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with multiple men. In a situation of vaccine shortage, we want them to be vigilant. We don't want to be stigmatizing to anyone, and the LGBT community is far from being monolithic. And there's nothing inherently gay, if you'll pardon the expression, about monkeypox. And there have been unfortunate cases even in the pediatric population. But we have to call it where we see it, and where we're seeing it primarily is in this population. Prolonged close skin-to-skin contact is where the big risk is. Ask your partners about recent illnesses or rashes and defer close contact if they're currently or been recently ill. And if you're sick yourself, please stay home from events and avoid intimate contact and get evaluated by your medical provider.
2: And just to be clear, doctor, can monkeypox be sexually transmitted?
3: There is some evidence that suggests that may be possible, but the biggest risk right now is any kind of skin-to-skin contact, whether it's close or intimate or even not necessarily sexual, but it's lasted for a long period of time, can do it. There's also been situations where contaminated bedding or clothing have also been responsible for the spread. And keep in mind that our 2003 outbreak was not primarily a lungless population, but still had a number of cases So even though this is where we're seeing it right now, and we want this population to be vigilant, we also want people to realize this is far from a disease that can only affect that community.
2: How many confirmed and probable cases of the disease does San Diego have now?
3: As of our most recent update, the county has detected 20 cases of monkeypox in San Diego County residents. Now, as always, this includes probable cases yet to be confirmed, although it would be highly unusual to get a result for this type of virus that is not
2: monkeypox. Do you know when the county will be getting more vaccine? We continue to ask
3: the state regularly for supplies of vaccine, and we report back to them weekly with an estimate of what will require. We received over 2,200 doses of vaccine from the state so far. Now, no arguments that the amount of vaccine available is not enough. That said, I also want to point out that the supply crunch with the vaccine is not primarily the state's fault. There is a national supply shortage just generally, And unfortunately, it's going to be a while before that changes. But I can say to the community unequivocally that all the doses that we get, you're going to get. And that's a promise.
1: That was San Diego County Deputy Public Health Officer, Dr. Cameron Kaiser, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Maureen Cavanaugh. U.S. Border Patrol is sticking with plans to build two 30-foot walls at Friendship Park along the U.S.-Mexico border. But KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne says advocates for the park are still hoping to pause construction. Friendship Park advocates met with Border Patrol officials late Wednesday. During the meeting, CBP confirmed their plans include 30-foot-tall walls and a public access gate. But John Fannesill with Friends of Friendship Park says the 30-foot, bollard-style walls would add to the desecration of this unique location.
3: Friendship Park is not just any other location on the border. It is a site of unique historic, cultural, environmental, and social significance. And it is a symbol of the truth that the peoples of the United States and Mexico are friends, not enemies.
1: Fannesill thinks local stakeholders should have been included in the conversations about changes. In a letter, Friends of Friendship Park requested a 120-day pause on construction. Friends of Friendship Park say they expect a response from CBP about their request by next week. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. The auto industry took a hit from the pandemic and sold at cities that rely on tax revenues from car sales, but things are changing again. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado has the story. Todd Sothevong
4: is hauling a full load of cars out of the Marine Terminal lot in National City. He's been a car hauler since 2007. Up until recently, regular trips and a full load have been a rarity because of pandemic supply chain issues and a chip shortage.
2: It was tough, yes. It's been picking up for the last two months.
4: He now does an average of two full loads a day. National City's City Manager Brad Ralston says car dealerships bring in about $10 million a year, a big part of the city's revenue that provides services like public safety.
3: When COVID, you know, actually hit, there was a significant you know, decrease 40 to 50 percent.
4: He says, fortunately, the dealership supplemented with used car sales, and that decrease only lasted about a quarter. Now they're seeing a steady three to five percent increase in that revenue. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News.
1: Coming up, San Diego's efforts to recycle food waste. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: It's been seven months since California required trash haulers to start picking up and composting food waste. But the city of San Diego is still far away from complying. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson
5: says the clock is ticking.
6: So compost is nutrient-rich.
5: Renee Robertson walks up to a large pile of brown stuff.
6: It's not soil. It's a soil amendment. It's a nutrient-rich soil amendment. You can see the moisture in it.
5: Robertson runs the city's environmental services department, including the 75-acre greenery site at the Miramar Landfill. This is where green waste, such as grass clippings and shrubbery trimmings, come to get a second life. It's ground up and sequestered under waterproof tarps. Oxygen gets pumped into the piles to speed up the natural composting process.
6: This is a blower, very small electric engine, and then this is um, the other, the, the brain components and the feedback.
5: It is a process that has been refined over the two decades San Diego officials have been working to keep green waste out of the landfill, unlike regular recycling, which relies on shipping trash far away.
6: What comes to this facility has been uh, generated within 30 miles, and our final product goes right back out within 30 miles. So I think it's it's really taking everything that we think about um, from climate action and really flipping it in the right direction where we're doing it locally.
5: And the operation is about to get a lot bigger. A new state law that took effect in January requires cities to begin collecting food scraps and composting the organic material. That's because decomposing food in landfills creates methane, a significant greenhouse gas that warms the climate. The Miramar landfill already handles commercial food waste from large vendors like Starbucks, SeaWorld, and the Marine Corps Recruit Depot. But the city has a lot of work to do to upgrade its residential collection system.
3: Where we've gotten a little bit tripped up, of course, is some of the issues that, frankly, everyone has seen and the industry has seen, and that is supply chain issues.
5: City Council Member Joe LaCava chairs the Environment Committee. He says some city residents who have private waste haulers are already separating their food scraps, but everyone else won't be able to until the city can ramp up its collection capability. It has to pick up green and organic waste from 285,000 customers every week. We're
3: going to switch from the current schedule, which calls for recycling and for greens to be picked up every two weeks, to include them on the weekly pickup. Now, what that means is we need more trucks uh, and more drivers for those trucks to really uh, update that um uh, collection on a more frequent basis.
5: says supply chain issues are keeping 43 new trucks from being delivered until early next year. When the trucks arrive, the city will deliver 240,000 green waste containers and 285,000 food scrap buckets to city residents. The pickup schedule needs to happen weekly because food scraps can attract rodents and other vermin.
3: We really are very motivated Uh, for both environmental reasons and regulatory reasons, to get this right at the get-go, make sure everybody understands how this will work.
5: Cal Recycle is phasing in implementation over a two-year period. If the city fails to get the program up and running, there could be a notice of violation and fines, but the process allows for ample opportunity to correct the violation before daily fines would be issued. Cal Recycle officials say if the entire state removes food scraps from landfills, It will be the equivalent of removing 3 million cars from local roads.
6: We're all generating food waste right now. That's what I always like to point out. So we're just going to be putting it in a different bin. We're going to be putting it in our green waste bin along with our green waste.
5: The city's Renee Robertson says changing the city's trash system is a challenge.
6: This is going to be a large habit change for uh, millions of residents, and we're going to take the time to do it right.
5: And city residents will have to adjust for this climate-friendly effort to succeed.
6: We're really set up well to start receiving this material.
5: The Miramar facility handles about 100,000 tons of compostable material in the course of a year. That's going to grow to 250,000 tons by the time this organics recycling program is fully up and running. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: San Diego is reaping the rewards from a hefty state budget surplus. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says... Officials are touting more than $68 million in funding from Sacramento. Mayor Todd
3: Gloria gathered with state and local leaders at the Oak Park Library. The city got $20 million from the state to design and construct a new library here, long on the community's wish list. State Senate President Pro Tem Tony Atkins says it's just one example that California's system of progressive taxation is
2: working. The wealthy pay their share, making record amounts of funding available. The state's fiscal health made it possible for us to provide transformational investments in critical programs across the state.
3: The state budget also allocates more than $29 million to parks and recreation projects in San Diego, including $8 million to expand Ward Canyon Park in Normal Heights. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News.
1: The newest California state budget has added millions of dollars in new funding to support students who grew up in foster care this coming school year. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more.
7: Statistics show that only 8% of children who grew up in foster care graduate from college. California state lawmakers approved an additional $48 million this fiscal year to support foster youth and improve their chances of graduation, starting with the need for housing. At San Diego State alone, there are 3,000 students who will start this fall semester without a permanent place to live. Roberto Lopez knows the struggle. He was in foster care since he was five. I came from a place where we didn't really have role models or anyone to look up to, so life was just really understanding it on your own. I made a lot of mistakes throughout my time. The additional state funding will help Lopez keep his low-income housing. In an apartment complex on the SDSU campus, he just transferred to the university with plans to get a degree in social work. M.G. Perez, KPBS News.
1: And before you go, We have a few weekend arts events to share with you. Compliments of KPBS arts producer Julia Dixon Evans. Here is a pop-up exhibition of artwork by Vista artist Addie Lyon tomorrow. It's called Do You Think Too Much Too? Lyon's work is inspired by her own mental health experiences. She uses her art as a tool for healing and a way to normalize conversations around mental health. The one day exhibition will be at the Hill Street Country Club in Oceanside tomorrow evening from 4 to 8 p.m. If you want to hear some music and get your groove on this weekend, the San Diego Gay Men's Chorus is wrapping up San Diego Pride Month with a performance. The chorus will perform 80s hits including Journey, Whitney Houston, Pet Shop Boys, and more. The Get On Your Feet concert is happening at 8 p.m. tomorrow and again at 3 p.m. on Sunday at the Balboa Theatre. Speaking of dancing, contemporary modern dance company Litvac Dance is collaborating with other dance companies for a set of outdoor performances on Saturday. Collaborators include Tijuana's Lux Borrell and locally based the Rosenbox project. There will also be live music by Perla Negra Latin Jazz Quartet. The performance is at the ICA San Diego North Campus in Encinitas tomorrow at 4.30 and 7.30 p.m. You can find more details about all the arts events mentioned, plus more at kpbs.org arts. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by KPBS Senior Radio Producer Brooke Ruth and Producer Emmelyn Mohebi. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening. Have an awesome weekend.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community, and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.